You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Shootout two to one. They win the game five to four and snap their seven-game losing streak. And Flames' two-game winning streak turns into a three-game point streak. Flames unable to push it to three games in the win column. You heard from Derek Wills Saturday evening at the Scotia Bank Sound on the Flames falling in a shootout to the New York Islanders. No time to sit on their laurels, though, as Monday is a game day. It's the Flames and the Seattle Kraken on a road trip that might go a long way in deciding just what kind of group Craig Conroy has and what kind of season the Calgary Flames are going to have. Welcome into the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios. It is Sportsnet today. It is a Calgary Flames game day. Flames and the Seattle Kraken at 8 o'clock on Monday night, 7 o'clock. Your Flames warm up with Pat Steinberg. When we're in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios, of course, for our friends at Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, Crack Foundation, Boeing Foundation walls, they have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement-y. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. We'll get you ready for a game day coming up in just moments. We'll hear from Nazem Kadri and Michael Backlund following practice. At the Scotiabank Saddledome on Sunday, their reaction to that shootout loss against the Islanders and a look ahead at the upcoming four-game road trip for the Calgary Flames, which could tell us an awful lot about this group. Of course, it gets going Monday against Seattle. Also on this Monday, we'll take a look at the NFL week that was. It finishes up with Monday Night Football tonight between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles. Emily Sadler will join us for our look around the NFL. John Hodge a little bit later on from Three Down Nation covering all things CFL, the Montreal Alouettes. 2023 Grey Cup champions as they upset the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in Hamilton. And we'll take a look at the Calgary Wranglers, who despite falling to the Ontario Reign on Sunday, still hold an 11-2-1 record on the season. They're going to be on your radios three times this week. They're in the midst of a four-game homestand that starts on Tuesday. So a perfect time to check in with Sandra and the Wranglers. But we're kicking things off, talking some Calgary Flames. But for that, quick reminder, fan feedback line always open to you here on Sportsnet today. You want to shoot us a text if you're listening live. 960-960 is the number to do so. My outstanding producers on this Monday afternoon are Cam and Taylor. So, yes, the Calgary Flames fall 5-4 in a shootout to the New York Islanders on Saturday. Their two-game winning streak comes to an end, but as Derek points out, it's now a three-game point streak for the Calgary Flames. They'll look to extend that when they take on their Pacific Division rivals, the Seattle Kraken. 
in the midst of a very tough stretch of hockey upcoming for the Calgary Flames. I've seen a lot of people point this out on social media, and it's worth noting, I think, to look at what's next for the Calgary Flames. And maybe this does go a long way to helping Craig Conroy decide what direction this team needs to go, maybe how quickly it needs to get there. Here are your next six games for the Calgary Flames. Obviously starts on Monday against Seattle. You're into Nashville on Wednesday, Dallas on Friday, Colorado on Saturday. Back home for two, you kick on one of the best teams in the NHL, the Vegas Golden Knights, and you get a rematch with Dallas on Thursday, all before the month of November is out. There isn't a bad team mixed in there for the Calgary Flames. Even the start of the December schedule, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but you look again, the Vancouver Canucks are in town December 2nd. Minnesota's in town. Carolina, New Jersey. The schedule and the teams coming up for the Calgary Flames, I think, are going to determine a lot about the future this season for the group. It might start this four-game road trip. Yes, you've got a win against Seattle earlier this month, but they're no pushover. Nashville, same thing. You beat them at home back on the 7th. But they're a team that's you know in the mix in the Western Conference right now. We know the kind of expectations that Dallas and Colorado have. It's time to really get a good indication of what this Flames team is. It'll be a bit of a different looking group on Monday in Seattle per our pal Eric Francis, our colleague at Sportsnet. He's on the ground in Seattle for this game. What can we tell you about it tonight? It'll be Dan Vladar. Getting the start in goal versus Philip Grubauer. They're going to change up the lines a bit for this game on Monday. Adam Ruzicka, who played just over seven minutes on Saturday and uh, did not look all that effective, will sit out Monday's game. Walker Dewar, who's been a healthy scratch for the last couple of games for the Flames, he is back in the lineup. Your line's going to look like this. Yegor Sharon Govich going to move up on that top line with Elias Lindholm. And Andrew Mangiapane. Expect Kadri, Pospisil, and Zeri to remain together. Same for Huberto, Backlund, and Coleman. Dylan Dubé will slide to the center ice position in between AJ Greer and Walker Dewar. So Calgary Flames changing some things up. Um, not a, a massive change. I think both understandable as far as what happened. I think Yegor Sharangovich has played well enough of late to earn another opportunity up with Elias Lindholm. And I think Adam Ruzicka, unfortunately, his game has sort of slid back to that level that we know sometimes happens. It's that consistency we always talk about with Adam Ruzicka's game, and it's unfortunately slipped off again to the point where I think it's absolutely fair to bring Walker Dewar in and show you if, if this can sort of spark something back in Adam's game or maybe let Walker Dewar ride with it for a bit. Either way, I think both of these understandable moves and Dan Vladar pretty solid last time out against Seattle gives Jacob Markstrom a bit of a break before uh, like we said three games in four nights that starts on Wednesday night in Nashville how are the Flames feeling following a loss to the New York Islanders it was a pretty positive mood Saturday for the most part heard from a couple other members of the Calgary Flames on Sunday as well as they practiced at the Scotiabank Saddle before heading out to Seattle Let's start uh, by checking in with the captain, Michael Backlund. Heard from Elliot Friedman on headlines during Hockey Night in Canada on Saturday that Michael Backlund 
Uh, might have spoken to the group, spoken to a couple individuals on the team about you know, silencing some of that outside noise. And if you don't want to be a member of the Calgary Flames, that's perfectly okay. Make sure you let Craig Condroy know about it and that he can handle it. Uh, past that, we don't want to hear a whole lot of outside noise like they heard on the last road trip. Uh, Michael gets asked about that in this uh, media conversation that he had on Sunday. Also, talking about that loss to the Islanders and how big a road trip this is for the Calgary Flames. Let's hear from the captain, Michael Backlund, his thoughts ahead of this four-game trip that starts in Seattle on Monday. How do you feel about this road trip and kind of the challenge of these four games in the six nights? Oh, I'm excited. Uh, it's a good challenge for us, um, but I'm excited. Uh, I feel like we've been playing some good hockey lately. and uh, um, yeah, Except for the third period against Ottawa, I think we've been playing really good and um, uh, winning a lot of games, picking up points, so I have a good feeling going into this trip. Do you sense, like Blake said the other day, yesterday, that like this group is a lot more confident maybe than it was a few weeks ago when guys are coming on the ice expecting to make plays? Do you, do you feel that, and how does that confidence translate to the success of that play? Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think earlier in the season we talked a lot about we were turning the puck over way too much, and I think guys wanted to do things and uh, didn't work out, and then you know you start losing games. and. Uh, um, yeah, it's it's hard to keep up the confidence when you're not winning, and as a team and as an individual, and uh, you know we start picking that up again and start winning, and um, yeah, it makes it easier to make those plays. And uh, I think we've been more creative offensively lately. And we've been playing better in the ozone, and with something we talked about all year too, how we can create more offense in the ozone. And uh, I think we've done a better job, especially the last two games. Elliot said something last night about you whether it was addressing the group or talking to guys individuals, as individuals, sorry, about, hey, enough of the noise, we got to cut out the distractions here. What what made that an important message for you to pass along? <clears throat> uh, well, uh, I, uh, I talked to uh, uh, one or two guys, and then, you know, I talked to Husk, and, um, you know, then Husk dressed everything uh, in the room in front of everyone, and uh, I thought it was important, and... You know, me and Husk uh, discussed it, and uh, we felt that you know him uh, speaking for the whole team was going to be uh, you know enough. And uh, he, he said some good things, and uh, you know, if that, we just turn the page and uh, um, everyone know uh, what had happened. And uh, yeah, now we're just focused on playing games and keeping the distractions out. So, are you satisfied with kind of the results of what was said? been in the past little while in terms of the way the group has refocused yeah i think so yeah um i, I would agree with that and yeah how have you as now that we're a few months into you being captain like how do you feel you've grown into the role and, and are getting more comfortable in that role yeah no i uh feel i've uh, been feeling better and better and um just you know in the beginning you maybe overthink a little bit and uh and but now i feel like it's uh, you know, some guys came up to me too, which is appreciated. Saying, you know, just you know, it's, you've been the, the captain for the last two years or so, and just you know, don't have to do anything different. And uh, it's always nice to hear too. And uh, especially during that tough stretch we're in, uh, you know, you you think about it a lot what you can do to help guys or help the team. And uh, yeah, maybe I put on a little too much on myself I think, early on, and uh, I think I balanced that a little bit more as the season's been going on. I mean, we haven't played. It's only not even 20 games, but uh, close to it. Uh, so I feel like I've been growing into it more and more. But there is, there is a change, eh? Like you were an A and you knew you were a leader, but now that C gets put on you. Like there, there is a change, isn't there? Yeah, a little, yeah, a little bit. Uh, 
everyone's different, but I felt a little bit, and uh, we didn't get the best start either. And uh, that gets you thinking about how, you, like I said, uh, how you can help or change things, and uh, you take more on more responsibilities. And I try to balance that out and uh, you know control what I can control um, and focus more on that. What, what would you say is the biggest difference between not having the C and having the C now? What's the biggest difference you've noticed over the past twenty-ish uh, games? Uh, you know when you. Uh, like some guys said, you know, it, it isn't that much different from last year. So, you know, when you sit back and think about it, it isn't. Um, and uh, I've been trying to approach it that way. Just do it down in the past, just be myself and just do my thing. And it's been uh, helping me on and off the ice. So uh, it is a big change at first, and it's really exciting. And it still is super exciting. I'm super proud and honored. Uh, it's a great uh, achievement for m- myself. Uh, and uh, but I'm trying to trying to think it's just do what I've done the last few years and um, get feedback from my teammates that you know that's that's been good. So uh, so yeah. Michael, I talked to Blake Coleman a few minutes ago, and he said he thinks this is some of the best hockey he's played individually in his time with the Flames. What have you you obviously spend a lot of time out there with him? What have you seen out of Blake so far? Yeah, I think he's been playing good all year. I think. Uh, He's been, uh, you know, he's always uh, works hard and, um, you know, competes uh, hard and goes to hard areas, whether it's in D zone or uh, O zone. And, um, and yeah, you know, I've been happy for him, see him score some goals and getting rewarded for his hard work. And um, he's been making some good plays and uh, being creative and at the right times. And so, yeah, I think uh, he's been skating well as well. So, he's always, I mean, he's always been a good skater, but. Um, but yeah, I think uh, just the combination of a little bit of everything. Just him probably feeling he's been uh, well, it's noticeable too. But um, just a little bit of all of all of his aspects been a little better. That's Flames captain Michael Backlund on Sunday following practice for the Calgary Flames. They headed out on a plane after that and head to Seattle for tonight's matchup against the Kraken. Lots there from back. Uh, some of the great performances of his teammates, including Mike uh, Blake Coleman of late. Uh, Reports of, uh, I guess, responding to the report that Elliot Friedman had on Saturday on Hockey Night in Canada about him, you know, talking to some individuals, talking to Ryan Huska about reducing the noise around this team compared to their last road trip. I think that's a smart move by a veteran NHLer to try to calm the waters ahead of a very important road trip. And it, look, it is what it is. You can't change it now. You can't change what Nikita Zadorov's agent did, or you can't change that that report came out about Nazem Kadri, but. It's good if you're Michael Backlund to get ahead of these things, knowing you've got four tough games and knowing that, look, you're only going to get so many opportunities to dig yourselves out of this hole if you're the Calgary Flames. And look, there's a chance that they might not be able to. A lot of people believe American Thanksgiving is the barometer. If you're not in a playoff spot by that point, your chances are, are slim to none when it comes to being able to climb back up the NHL standings and find yourself in a postseason spot when it's all said and done. But, you know, if you're Michael Back in the Calgary Flames, you can't you can't use that as the, the be-all, end-all for your season. The opportunity is still there. They've played better hockey of late. Have they completely gotten out of the hole that they dug themselves to start the season? No, absolutely not. But as we've said a couple times now, Whatever happens on this road trip, at least the first four games, maybe even the two next week, if you want to throw it in for the rest of the month, I mean, that could be your indicator right there 
of what this team is. It'll be two months worth of games in the regular season. And I don't know how many teams change who they are, what they are past that point. I know everyone will point to the St. Louis blues and uh, the 2019 Stanley cup championship season they had, but I think that's the anomaly and, and certainly far from the norm. Uh, going back to another positive for the Calgary Flames coming off of that game on Saturday. Martin Pospisil creating a lot of noise. Connor Zary, another two-point performance. Pospisil had a great opportunity in overtime, but was shut down by Ilya Sorokin, a chance to win it for the Flames youngsters, uh, as Megan Mickelson has coined them. Kadri and the kids have been just fine for the Flames. Expect to see that line together again Monday when they take on the Seattle Kraken and uh, the catalyst of that line, if you want to call it that, Nazem Kadri has taken the youngsters under his wings and really used this to propel his game up. Part of the bad start to this season for the Calgary Flames came from a pretty unusually quiet start to the year for Nazem Kadri. Well, he's with Connor Zary and Martin Pospisil now, and they're making a lot of noise on a night-to-night basis. Let's hear from Kadri. Ball in practice on Sunday ahead of this big road trip for the Calgary Flames. I, I mean, I just saw kind of possibly had a step on uh, the defenseman and couldn't really get it to him directly, so I uh, just laid it off the wall, and, you know, he did the rest. Alan, why do you think your line is working so well with Connor and Martin? Mm-hmm. Um, I think just, you know, we, we talk with each other. We understand, uh, you know, where we want to be and, um, you know, close support. I think we're all kind of surrounding the puck at all times, and that's uh, I think that's key for, for a line. I mean, not to crowd each other too much but to, to um, support each other wherever the puck is so it's a bit of a balance there and uh, obviously you know skill speed you kind of got uh, those intangibles which is nice is it similar or is there a noticeable difference compared to another line you had last year that you saw early success with with Dylan Dubé and mm-hmm. Andrew Mangiapane um yeah I mean I suppose you know in a, in a sense I think uh, <clears throat> obviously skating is probably the most important uh, tool to, to use in the game today. So I think uh, just really having that speed and that, uh, you know, that, that creates a lot of looks and, uh, and a lot of opportunities, and, and uh, we're certainly taking advantage of that. What, what do you think Connor is probably for your game? Yeah, uh, just the skill. It's nice to play with some skilled players, and, uh, and, and you know, obviously um, I understand now, you know, what he's capable of and what he can do with the puck. So, you know, it's uh, – <clears throat> For, for a centerman playing with any winger, I think you got to understand, uh, you know, what they like to do and, and uh, you know, what their strengths are. And, you know, I'm starting to figure that out with uh, both guys. Mask, when you have a pass like that on the assist and you mm-hmm. see possible still finish, is there any party that's like, okay, yes? Yeah, you, of you, course, <laughs> of course. Nice move. That's, that's an apple. That's an apple. So plus one, we'll take it. Uh, but, of course, I mean, um, you know, that's that's one thing we, we spoke about is the speed. And, um, you know, I understand that he could skate. And, uh, you know, that's kind of a read you got to make in a split second. And felt like he had a step on the guy and just kind of let float one in behind the defenseman. And, uh, you know, I, I, I obviously know it's probably going to end up being a breakaway. So, uh, yeah, just kind of understanding how, uh, you know, how my wingers want to play and um, just trying to give them an opportunity to utilize their skill. Zary's little one-touch pass to get it to you mm-hmm. was pretty nice too. Eh? Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, great play. I mean, it starts in the D zone. That's what I love most about that goal is we started from below our goal line and uh, executed perfectly on the breakout and, uh, you know, led to a breakaway and, and a scoring chance and a goal, a big goal for us. And, uh, 
yeah, so it's nice to see, you know, we can play kind of that 200-foot game. When you're when you're about to play with guys that you don't know very well, like you saw them at camp, but mm. is there any quote-unquote research or, or do you have any sort of conversation to sort of figure out what a guy's yeah. all about? Yeah, a lot of communication. I think that's probably uh, one of the most important things. Um, you know, but for me, I mean, I I can just, you know, watch. I'll watch in practice. I'll just observe and see what, uh, you know, what, what plays they can make and, and what they like to do. And I think that's part of, uh, you know, trying to, um, you know, make your line mates better is you got to understand, you know, what they're thinking and what, they're, uh, what they can do and what they like to do. So, um, yeah, just, you know, a little bit of talk, a little bit of watch, and that's about it. In a weird way, do you feel like a little bit of a coach out there, given how much you're communicating <laughs> with these young players and, and how much they, they say that they value your, your mentors? Yeah. Do you feel like a, a Yeah, coach sometimes coach? for sure. Sometimes for sure. I, I just, uh, you know, with, with young players, I think you always got to um, – because it's easy to, you know, when things are going well, to maybe just let off the gas a little bit because, you know, you're young and you're raw and you think uh, – that everything's just gonna kind of come come easily if it if it if it already has. So it's really what I try to tell them is just try to prepare them every single you know period, every single game to uh, to try to you know surpass what we did the game before. And you know I think that uh, you know that's key in order to be a great great player and a great professional is you got to approach every game the same way. And uh, you know they're they're uh, they're definitely open and receptive to that. Is there like a proud parent type of feeling when you see that stuff happen? Yeah, yeah, I suppose for sure. I mean, I think uh, there's nothing better than talking, you know, about a play and, and it coming to fruition out on the ice and being able to execute what you what you spoke about. I think that's you know one of the most satisfying things. Uh, a line can do and we've been able to do that pretty successfully and now it's you know we just got to continue to to uh, build those building blocks how do you uh, how do you size up this trip um very very important obviously we want to get off to a good start uh you know obviously a very uh, challenging back end of the road trip just having a back-to-back and that's a bit of a difficult situation but you know i think we can handle it and uh i think it's important to get off to a good 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 road trip you know starts uh they're going to be tough games and you know on the road I think it's important to simplify a little bit and just uh not get overcomplicated, especially in some you know uh rowdy buildings so um yeah it's 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 going to be key for us but we're uh we're, we're up, up to the challenge I think it was a couple weeks ago Ryan Huska said that you might have even leaned more into your leadership role in the room is that is that something that you've worked on or or maybe mm-hmm. you've seen develop here in, in year two with the team uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just think over the course of my career, it's kind of always something I've uh, tried to, um, you know, increase my role every every year uh, of experience I get. Just you know, try to try to help out and spread some wisdom and knowledge. And you know, I, I'm certainly learning even at this point in my career. So uh, you know, I, uh, I I by no means have all the answers or know it all, but um, you know, I certainly can uh, you know spread my experiences and what I've uh, you know seen firsthand and, and try to. Uh, help other guys become better and in doing that I think it's going to help us become a better team which is you know what what uh, what I want I think you were joking when you said you called bank but have you ever called <laughs> called bank no I actually I mean I, on that particular play I didn't like you know verbally say bank but, <laughs> you know, I, I was thinking it in my head the whole time so uh, I, I suppose I did call bank and uh, you know that was definitely intentional but uh, yeah sometimes you got to get creative out there before you played with Marty, what were your first impressions of him as a as a player? What did you know about him? 
I didn't know much. Didn't know much at all. Uh, obviously, seen him through training camp, and uh, you know, obviously had a great summer and came into training camp ready and and uh, you know, eager to to make an impact. And I think he's, you know, um, just trying to. It, it was a little challenging at first to try to, you know, because as a centerman, when when you have you know a revol- revolving door of wingers, I think it's always you know you always got to kind of change the way you play from game to game, which can be a little challenging, but. Uh, it's nice to have some some sort of consistency, and you know, every game we play together, I think I'm, I'm learning more and more about them, and uh, you know, we communicate even more, and I think uh, that's going to result in some good things. Did you know he could finish off that play the way that he did? Mm. I knew he had some skill for sure, but I mean, that uh, that definitely was a, a combination of skill and poise and some great composure and speed to do it at that pace is, is tough to do. So obviously, he's got a, a good skill set. Nelson Cadre speaking on Sunday following Flames practice. They're in Seattle getting set to take on the Seattle Kraken, and that's where we will go right now uh, following morning skate in Seattle. Here from head coach Ryan Huska on a game day. Dan Vladar expected to get the start in goal for the Flames as they kick off this four-game road trip tonight against the Kraken. Hey, Ryan, I wanted to ask you about you've had eight goals from your blue line in eight games. Has that been a conscious effort, or has it just kind of happened? Uh, it's it's a conscious effort, but it's just kind of happened at the same time. So we want them more active, more involved offensively to try to get them moving a little bit more. That's one of the strengths that we feel our team has. And early on in the year, we were very stationary in the offensive zone. And I think over the last number of games, we've been getting better at getting some more motion, and that's allowed them to I don't know, have the puck or shoot the puck more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On that note, when a guy like... Nick DeSimone steps up the way he does the other night to set up Coleman's goal. It's fair to say they do have the green light to step up and try to make plays offensively. Oh, yeah, they all do. I mean, number one priority is keep pucks out of our net, and that's something that they can't forget. And, um, you know, we gave up way too many chances in the third period last last game, that's for sure. So priority is to make sure that we're solid in front of our goaltenders. Um, but if they read the situation and they think it's the right time to go, then we, we trust them with that for sure. You've talked before about the pace that this team plays with uh, in, in Seattle. Uh, what did you guys do so effectively you know, close to three weeks ago? Um, I think we did a good job of staying above their speed. So anytime you you lose possession of a puck, they're very quick to go the other direction. So if you're sleeping on your transition from offense to defense, that's usually where they catch you. And I thought we did a pretty good job with that side of our game, and we'll need to replicate that tonight. Is it fair to say that over this last six or seven you've been doing that? pretty well in totality like yeah. better for sure um we're uh we feel like our game is coming in the right direction and there's been a lot of positive signs for us and that's a big part of it so how we handle the puck well, do we have numbers in the neutral zone all that stuff comes into play Brian, it's sort of a broader question but just in chatting with martin Pospisil, he, he more than anything he's enjoying the success but i think he's just having fun the, yeah that's the word he kept bringing up so um you enjoy seeing that as a coach, guys in the room that are enjoying coming to the rink and having a good time, and maybe that translates to the honest success. Yeah, it's part of it. I mean, it's, hey, listen, when we lost the six in a row, it's not a lot of fun. Uh, you try to make um, the atmosphere one where they come in and they know they can enjoy being around each other, but it's heavier for sure. At that time, you can't say it's not because it's not a lot of fun in those situations. But um, you look to your older guys, and it's for me, it's been... Michael Coles and Chris have done an excellent job in keeping the room kind of straight ahead if you want to if you want to call it that so they've made sure the the energy level um, good or bad has been the right way and I think they've done a really good job of holding each other and teammates accountable so those three guys have been real important for us 
mentioned Blake Coleman. How effective is he uh, when he's healthy the way he's been? Just saying, you know, I feel as good as I have yeah. uh, in recent times, but just his effective level. Yeah, this is the best I've seen him play for us, in my opinion. I, and I could be wrong on that looking back, but he's every night almost, except for that Montreal game, I would say, um, he's been engaged, he's playing with pace, and he's playing to his identity. And when he plays that way, he finds himself in chances to score. Um, we've talked a lot about the connection that him and Michael have. They play really well together, but I, I think a lot of it for him is he had a, a couple long years with long playoff runs. His body was banged up a little bit, and he's had a chance to recover a touch now, and, and he's feeling really good about himself, and he's playing the way we need him to play. And you mentioned a couple of times his leadership. Can you give us an example of what that leadership might look or sound like? Um, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of positivity to him. Um, in the dressing room, when things start to slide a little bit and you want someone to pick your team up, you want a little bit of uh, a jolt of emotion, he's been the guy that's been giving it. And it's the same on the bench. Um, when you know there's lulls in a game or when teams shifted momentum on you, he's usually one of the guys that's been more vocal about shifting it back. Um, and I think he follows that up with the way he's played on the ice. So it's, I've been really happy with him for sure. It's uh, never really been a secret about what's made Blake and Michael so effective, but um, Blake said that he, he's noticed Jonathan's really bought into that type of game too. Mm -hmm. Is that? Kind of what's led to some of that success? I think so. I mean, the, the work is contagious. It really is. And if you want to play well as a line and everybody understands where they're going to be, um, one guy can't be on his own page. Otherwise, you're always shuffling one of the guys on and off a line. So you want to find a little bit of that connection. And I think the, the two games that he's been there, I think he's done, he's done really well. And the one thing he also said was about the communication. Some guys in this league aren't about you know, being receptive to it yeah. and also sharing it. And he said that's the one good thing that he's always loved about, you know, that he tries to do that. But also Jonathan's that way now too. And are you seeing that kind of be a, a factor as well? Yeah, and it, certain players are able to handle it better than others. And I think the older that you get, um, you realize that when, when that communication is there, it's not people like being negative on you or critical of you, it's helping you. Um, and I think the older you get, you understand that a little bit more, whether it comes from a coach or a teammate. That's just part of maturing for sure. Head coach Ryan Huska on a game day from Seattle. Flames and Kraken tonight, 7 o'clock. Flames warm up with Pat Steinberg. 8 o'clock puck drop with Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson. We'll take a break, come back on the other side. Our Monday regular Emily Sadler joins us to go through the NFL slate and take a look at the Eagles and the Chiefs for Monday Night Football. That's next on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Another NFL Sunday in the books. Ended off with the Denver Broncos upsetting the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday night football. And now perhaps one of the best on paper primetime games we could get this season closes off Monday night football. Fingers crossed. Another edition of the Kelsey Bowl lives up to the hype. It's the Philadelphia Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs. To close things out of week on week 11 of the NFL season. And now to help us take a look at what we saw on Sunday and even take a look at what we're expecting for Monday Night Football. Very happy to go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Welcome to our Monday regular here on Sportsnet today from Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca. It's Emily Sadler this Monday. Emily, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm really good. I'm really excited for tonight's game. I am hopeful that primetime football doesn't take away what should be a really fun matchup between the Chiefs and the Eagles. I agree. We deserve this. Like, we've earned <laughs> this, right? Yes. <laughs> we've sat through enough. Does. We need this. <laughs> 
even like on Thursday night, that game against the between the Bengals and the Ravens was supposed to be the game, and it didn't really come through for us. And we we just we've earned it. And that's and that's what worries me is because I was <laughs> excited about Thursday yeah. too, and I'm like, this is great. Divisional football is is so much fun, and then. Joe Burrow's wrist is gone, and Mark Andrews is hurt, and all of a sudden it's like I, I don't know why I get so excited about that. I always get let down by these, but I'm I'm very very hopeful for tonight. Definitely, definitely, it can break your heart, but maybe it'll come. Through. <laughs> yeah, I'm always there anyway, so I don't know why I get so upset about it. I'm, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna watch it, of course. What else am I gonna do? Uh, let's look back on Sunday. Uh, for weeks on this uh, this very same hit that we do, Emily. Uh, I've pondered the question. I've asked you the question. Uh, what is it going to take for the New York Jets to finally, finally make a change at quarterback? Well, uh, I, I guess Sunday's 32-6 loss to the Bills was the final straw for Zach Wilson, at least for right now. Uh, he goes 7 of 15 for 81 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Uh, he's been just dreadful. The Jets are finally going to try somebody else. It's going to be Tim Boyle who gets the start next week for them. How surprised are you that it took this long for the Jets to make a change at quarterback? Yeah, honestly, like, I, I never want to, like, actively root for someone to lose their job, but at the same time, it was truly mystifying, like, week after week to just see. It was almost entertaining to see, like, how many ways, different ways Robert Sala could continue to, like, show up in front of reporters and say, Zach Wilson is still our guy. And um, I think even just in terms of like, you, you have to do something to at least try to spark anything, right? When you look at Zach Wilson's performance, you just listed off um, his very lackluster performance. And he's, he's not the only problem in with this offense. Like this offense is definitely like, it is broken. <laughs> it's not just struggling. It's in total disrepair, but he's kind of this like great amplifier for all of the problems that they've been having. Right. And so that's where it comes in where like, you just need to, you make a, ch- you need to make a change. He's not the only problem. He's not the solution either. Um, do I have high hopes for Tim Boyle? I'm not so sure. It's almost like fitting that this game, his debut is going to be black Friday. Like this is another one of those primetime games that was like, okay, we're going to, you know, we've got Aaron Rodgers. It's going to be this great new thing, Black Friday football. But um, I hope that they're heavily discounting these tickets because <laughs> it might be a bit of a lopsided affair. Um, yeah, it's it's just it was time for a change. I'm surprised that it took this long. I'm also, quite frankly, surprised at just how deep these struggles run in the offense. When you look at all of the numbers, none of them are good. Um, I'll be curious to see if this just sparks anything at all. Maybe a wake-up call. Who knows? At what point of you're the Jets, are you sort of going to put a hold the storyline of, we're just holding out until Aaron Rodgers comes back. If we can, if we can be in it when Aaron comes back, we're, we're going to be just fine. When does that, should it have ended already if you're the Jets? I don't, I don't love the idea of, of all this pressure coming back on Aaron Rodgers from an injury to to come in and save what might already be a lost season for the Jets? Yeah, it's such a good question because that has been like sort of their MO, like just make it to the playoff, make it to mid-December kind of thing. But like if I'm Aaron Rodgers, do I really want to stand behind that offensive line? Like that's a huge part of the struggle here. Like as I said before, like we all know, like Zach Wilson's not the only problem here. Like the nothing is really functional 
And that offensive line, it was already a concern at the start of the season. Like, that was the big question mark. Could these guys kind of step up? And now there's so many injuries along the line. It's just gotten so much worse. And so I know that there's this point about, you know, Aaron Rodgers, like medical miracle, wants to make it back, loves football, all of these things. But I don't like, I don't know how he could be at a hundred percent. And then in that case, like just, just make the smart choice and um, just like take a little bit of extra time. Like it would be one thing if this team was really functioning at a high level and the offensive line was outplaying expectations, but this just doesn't really look like a team right now that's going to make that instant of a turnaround, no matter who you put under center there with that offense. Talking about injuries, that was a major storyline from Sunday. Uh, Aaron Jones leaves the game against the Chargers. Joey Bosa on the other side leaves uh, for the Chargers. Kenneth Walker went, went down for the Seahawks. Cooper Cup went down for the Rams. Uh, Geno Smith missed some time in that game as well. Uh, there were some major injuries. If you looked at the ones that we had at least recently, Emily, which one do you think has the potential to be the biggest disruptor for their team out of the injuries we saw Sunday? Yeah, I mean, there's there's so many. Like, you've just listed off so many impactful ones. I'm, I'm going to... I'm going to cheat a little bit and just take a, <laughs> a stan out on the whole week because it just, I know that like the Joe Burrow news is, is stale by now. We all know that he's out for the season, but, and it already feels like it sort of was weeks ago. Right. But it yeah. was just Thursday. And so we have yet to really see um, what the Bengals do going forward. But I think there's no doubt that like that injury, we've basically just like, we can write off the Bengals now. And it just, it opens up with all of these injuries there's, it opens up this world of what-if scenarios, and that's always the most heartbreaking part, right? I mean, at the beginning of the season, we were all talking about, of course, Aaron Rodgers, and then uh, midway through the season, Kirk Cousins goes down, and we're all like, well, what if? What if? What would happen if if they had this, um, these healthy stars in place? Um, and so I think with the Bengals, like, it's just it's, – it's actually kind of interesting, like, interesting is the wrong word because it's heartbreaking, but when you look at the AFC North um, – they have really probably been hit the hardest, right? Joe Burrow, Deshaun Watson, Mark Andrews. Um, but with the Browns, with Watson, I don't see that as being like, weirdly, it's not a total disaster for their season. Like it, it is, of course, but the focus is on defense. Yeah. Whereas the Bengals and Joe Burrow, like he is that team. We saw what happens when he's not at 100%. Um, we saw how, how lackluster that offense can be. And so now just to take him out of the equation altogether, like things were just getting so, so interesting in the AFC North, right? It was going to be so fun to watch that race kind of unfold and see where it went. And so there's no doubt in my mind that that's the biggest one. And basically like, okay, just cross off the Bengals now. And that's really, really too bad. You mentioned in there the Browns. Uh, they were on my list of things to talk about. They've won three in a row. They're five and one at home. They're keeping pace with the Ravens, who are at eight and three on top of that AFC North. Big win for them over the Steelers. It wasn't the most entertaining game. I don't think thirteen ten had anybody coming out of their seats. But you're right. This Cleveland defense continues to show that they can keep this team in games, and uh, it looks like they're going to try some interesting options at quarterback. How about Joe Flacco, the former Super Bowl MVP, <laughs> yeah. uh, signing with the Browns <laughs> and, and joining them? I mean, I have no idea if he actually gets to the field or not, Emily. But, I mean, if you're the Browns, I, I guess take a chance at it. Your defense deserves uh, to at least have you take a shot this season at 7-3. and three. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's it, <laughs> Joe Flacco is one of those people that I was like, wait, didn't he retire like 20 years ago? <laughs> yep, <laughs> like, yep, same here. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, hey, as the saying goes, defense wins championships. <laughs> so this is like the ultimate <laughs> example of like, all right, well, this is, I don't think there's any doubt this is a super cal- Super Bowl caliber defense, but like, yeah, we're going to find out just how far a good defense and nothing else can take you. Um, and yeah, as I pointed out before, like it is interesting because it, this, the story of the Browns was never really going to be about the offense, but yeah. I still view them as a playoff team, right? Like that is a, that is a team that is going to grind you down. But I also think that, you know, that's kind of their, their limit, right? Make it to the playoffs, but we all know you can't go far without a really strong quarterback. Um, I think in terms of, uh, yeah, just expectations around like what to expect from them going forward. It'll be really interesting. Like, can Dorian Thompson Robinson, you know, capture that magic? He was a favorite, right, during the preseason. So much so that um, I referenced what ifs earlier. What if the Browns had kept, uh, had held on to Josh Dobbs? Like, yeah. I, you forget that, like, he was a member of the Cleveland Browns <laughs> last year. He was a member of the Cleveland Browns during training camp. They only had, just traded him um, during camp to Arizona and now look what he's doing in Minnesota. So it's one of those what ifs that like, cause really all they need, it's sort of the, it's kind of honestly the formula that we hoped for with the Jets with what Zach Wilson could do is all we need is a capable game manager. Essentially. Yeah. We don't need you to win the games for us. We need you to not lose the games for us. And so I think that's what, the Browns like that's the goal right it's just like if you can manage a game don't take too many risks we know that their run game is excellent which is shocking even without Nick Chubb right they have that blueprint that is just like a grinded out win they're not fun to watch they're not pretty but (laughs) I do think like they're going to kind of keep rolling at least a little bit maybe slow their roll but keep on rolling yeah it's such a weird thing in Cleveland because I'm looking at their schedule they're at Denver they've got the Rams the Jags the Bears the Texans the Jets and the Bengals like it's not that's interesting it's not a murderer's row down the stretch for Cleveland and all of a sudden I just there's a chaotic part of me and I can't lie that just would love to, to look back at this season and go Remember when the Browns won a playoff game with Joe Flacco at quarterback and, <laughs> and Nick Chubb wasn't even there. Nick Chubb was, was hurt weeks ago. And I just, I want that to be a, an NFL historical point that we look back on this season and go, yeah, remember. And you're right. And we'll go back and we'll go. And Josh Dobbs was their quarterback at one point in preseason. Yeah. And now it's Joe Flacco and they still want to, there's just something about that that is so, I don't know. It's so sinister and so, obscure I just kind of love that that because there's no way in any there's no way of ever predicting oh yeah the Browns will be in the playoffs and Joe Flacco will be their quarterback and you'd think okay well if that happened Nick Chubb probably ran for 2,000 yards and was their dominant most dominant NFL running back of all time but he's not there either and you make a great point Uh, it's just they just plug and play in Cleveland and as weird as it is to say because they've never been good but, I mean, mm-hmm. this is a pretty good team and a, and a team that I think is going to be at least interesting to watch. You're right. They might not be fun to watch, but it's a storyline you can't look away from. Yeah. I mean, the defense is so hard to beat. Like, we've already seen this kind of all season, right? There have been maybe a few games where they've been pretty lopsided. But, yeah, it's 
it's just a really like it's an interesting blueprint. And as I said, like, okay, well, if defense wins championships, like, <laughs> this yeah. is the team that will prove it. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, Emily Sadler's along with us from Sportsnet, Sportsnet.ca, our weekly look back at the NFL schedule. Week eleven is now in the books. Uh, one of the best storylines I think so far in the season. We've talked a lot about them already. Uh, C.J. Stroud and the Texans. They uh, it wasn't as pretty as it's been for Stroud, but they get past the Cardinals. They move to six and four, and a lot of people have started to maybe shift the conversation from, okay, maybe we shouldn't just be talking about this guy as a rookie of the year candidate, but legitimately as an MVP kind of conversation. Are you in the same territory when it comes to looking at this season for C.J. Stroud if it continues this way? Yeah, absolutely. It's funny when you kind of like trace that that MVP talk. Like a couple weeks ago, it was sort of like whispers. And then last week, it was like, there were legit conversations. And I think this week, some people are shouting about it. Like, <laughs> yes, he should be in the MVP conversation. Um, and I agree, like he, he should be. And, and part of that is, you know, obviously, he, he's been he's been excellent. He's exceeded expectations. And I do think that that like, for me, anyways, personally, it's sort of, um, I didn't, I genuinely didn't really know what to expect from him going into this season. So to see him um, playing this well, like there is a bit of the element of like, wow, I did not see that coming. And so you value it even more. But even with that, like he's just, he's been playing lights out. He's been playing with so much poise. I think if you took this season from him as a rookie and maybe plugged it into say last year or the year before, I don't know if we'd have the same conversations about him as a potential MVP, just because like this season, there's not, like Lamar Jackson is is the front runner, but there's not really that like standout MVP necessarily like we've seen in other seasons. Yeah. You know, Patrick Mahomes, he's been playing really well, but it's not his best statistical season. It's not as explosive of an offense. So I think that kind of plays into it a little bit. But I mean, I've been so impressed with what Stroud has done, and I think I know I've I've kind of said this before. Is just each game as we learn more about him, he's also kind of learning more about him and what he could do. Like this game, I think against Arizona was a really good example of his resilience, right? You know, he, he went into it with two interceptions. He came out of it. He threw three interceptions in this one game. Like that was not something that um, we ex- we've come to expect from him. Right. And yet after the game, he just chalks it up to like, Hey, it's good when you can learn some lessons with the win. Um, and so I think that his, Poise. like he doesn't he's not letting that defeat him whereas I think other inexperienced pros but you might let that kind of knock your confidence around a little bit and we're just not seeing that from him and I don't know about you but I've watched that highlight uh throw to Tank Dell like from every angle possible like <laughs> it's so it's just he's so watchable yeah um, he's so fun to watch and so of course that plays into all the MVP chatter as well because like really like so much of that value is like can you win games? And are you fun to watch? Can you put up those highlights when he's doing all of that? Yeah, he's been fantastic, and it's just been so much fun to watch. I think people forget quickly how bad Houston was last year. And, look, they've got a new coach. Yeah. They've got a, a very high draft pick on the defensive side of things, too. But for a young quarterback to be doing what he's doing with such a bad team or what was a bad team, I think definitely he's in the MVP conversation going forward if this continues. Yeah, uh, before we get out of here, though, uh, let's do uh, a quick look ahead at uh, what should be a good one tonight on Monday. We talked about a little earlier that the nervous excitement of primetime football is always, uh, uh, you know, a, a bit of a, a worry. But this on paper <laughs> looks very good. It's the Eagles 
It's the Chiefs. Of course, we will scan over, no doubt, uh, a thousand times to the box where, where Taylor Swift will be tonight. And oh, yeah. we know Travis Kelsey's going for 100 plus yards. That's just what he does when his girl's in the stands. Uh, but aside and from I that, think their parents are meeting. That's a very is big a, thing, too. Is that a this, thing? I think that's a thing, right? Uh, that is definitely a thing. I, it's not a thing that we should know, Emily, <laughs> but it's a thing that we know, right? Why is this information that I'm excited about? Yeah, why is uh, yes. <laughs> the parents or the dads look like they're getting a lot? Oh, they're not really talking anymore. Right? We're going to sit oh. there and overanalyze right. everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the actual football should be good, too, right? <laughs> It should be excellent. I'm so excited for this game. Although, yeah, as you said, I'm like, maybe I'll like tiptoe into it. (laughs) Like test out the waters and see if this is going to be as good as we hope it's going to be. Yeah, there's like so many storylines at play here. Super Bowl rematch, potentially Super Bowl preview as well. Um, Both teams coming off the bye. We all know Andy Reid is like the master of the post-bye victory. He's 21-3 and in his career in games after the bye week. Um, and an, another interesting, if we can call this the Andy Reid Bowl as well as the Kelsey Bowl. Yes. He's the winningest coach in Eagles history, as we know. Um, and if he wins tonight, he will also become the winningest coach in Chiefs history as well, which, like, how poetic is that to come against, have that come against the Eagles? Um, that, would be, that would be pretty cool. Um, but, yeah, I'm just – I think it's so – this is one of those games, like, on paper – it is what we, it is what we, they, both of the teams are at the top of their game right now. When we circled this one on the schedule at the beginning of the season, um, they're both exactly where we hoped they would be. And they're both kind of interestingly like doing it in different ways, right? For the Chiefs, it's actually their defense that has really propelled them forward. For the, um, for the Eagles, it's more of the explosive offense, the line play, which as we knew, but you know, it might be a bit of a difficulty with the secondary. There's so many injuries still there. So it's kind of interesting. Both teams are just as good as we hoped they would be, but kind of in different ways. So they're sort of continuing to evolve. And um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to what I really hope is a game that fulfills all of our um, football dreams. Uh, yeah, I'm going to put you on the spot before we go. Who wins tonight, Eagles yeah. or Chiefs? It's the Chiefs. Mm. I'm going Chiefs because I cannot bet against – Andy Reid post by, and I think the Chiefs have this thing where they uh, we're not really talking about them a lot. Fair, you know. Yeah, no, it's and a good point. They're really, really good again, and so it's kind of like I've caught myself in like you know I'm talking a lot about the Ravens. We've been talking about the Bengals before Joe Burrow was injured, and I think the Chiefs might be ready for um, hey, like remember us, remember how good we are. Yeah. So, and I'm hoping maybe a certain wide receiver named Rasheed Rice comes out and has an excellent, excellent game. (laughs) Fingers crossed. Uh, Great (laughs) stuff, Emily. I really appreciate it. Thanks for the chat as always. I really love doing these with you. Uh, We'll do it again next week, eh? Sounds great. Enjoy the game. Take care. Emily Sadler joining us from Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca covering the NFL for the website. Uh, If you missed any of it, head to Sportsnet.ca. We'll have some Week 11 takeaways coming in soon. Uh, And, of course, tonight ends off a great matchup between the Chiefs at 7-2, Eagles 8-1. It's a 6-15 kickoff for Monday Night Football. Take a break. Come back on the other side. We'll start off our two coverage looking back at a Grey Cup victory for the Montreal Alouettes on Sunday and continue getting you set for the Flames and the Seattle Kraken. It's a game day here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.